You're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Referral Mortgages and Blue Panda Realty, with your hosts, Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate in our nation's capital. Hello. 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 This is the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast. Every of course, I hit mute. Every week, we get together here to talk about mortgages, real estate, whatever else we want to talk about. I'm Paul Stevenson. I'm one of the owners and a mortgage agent at Referral Mortgages. As always, I'm joined by Greg Campbell, who is a partner at Blue Panda Realty, and David Warren, who is my business partner over at uh, Referral Mortgages and also an expert mortgage agent. You can watch or listen to the podcast on YouTube and on podcast services of your choice, where it posts every Tuesday, 10 a.m., and if you're interested, you can also listen to the show live on Friday mornings right here on Facebook. We'd also like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, North Brew Coffee. They are a locally owned coffee brand, delicious. And you can use the podcast. Oh, you can use the code word podcast when you check out at northbrew.ca and get 20% off your order. Gentlemen, how was the week? The week was, the week was good until uh, about 45 minutes ago. You sneezed. Yeah, sneeze tore, tore, tore up my knee, but now I'm all uh, a little you bit. You tore better. up your knee. That's tore, fitting. I tore up. I, I, I tore up. I tore up. Yeah. That was <laughs> kind of funny. Um, yeah, I saw something pretty awesome that. Oh, David, how's your? How, how are you doing, David? Before I uh, jump <laughs> into my well. amazing. I'm doing well. Thank you very much, Paul. David's oh. also here. <laughs> um, yeah, I saw something that was pretty awesome this week. It was a uh, essentially Uber for pools. Have you guys seen this? It was uh, yeah. called Swimply. Swimply. So you can yeah. basically, if you have a pool, which is a pretty hot topic right now, um, you can rent it out by the hour to locals. It, it just so seems like so, such a, there's so many things that can go wrong with that. It's a bad idea. It's so bad. Like the, the insurance, like, you know, renting out for a hundred dollars an hour and you've got somebody falling and drowning in your pool or something, or, you know, or something happens in that water with their kids, you know, it's just, doesn't seem like a, a great idea. I can't imagine who's insuring that business. Yeah. I mean, it's probably yeah. the same impression people got when Airbnb came out. It's like, what? You're going to just let people sleep in your bed. That's horrible. It's disgusting. Right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it could catch it. Apparently there was one guy that made uh, $85,000 in the last 12 months, which I don't even know how long it's been out for, but that was the, uh, that was the number I read on the article that I was reading. So, wow. You know, it's at 75 bucks an hour. You're, you're heading out for the afternoon, rented out for four hours. You know, there's a market. There. Yeah, I mean, eighty-five thousand dollars. He's he's waking up to breakfast to a pool party going on every day. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah he's charging a hundred dollars a head, and he's just yeah. That, that I guess place is just cabana. a constant three sixty-five party. That's uh, I guess there's clearly some liability waivers and stuff too. So probably to sign off if you die, I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Diving board and slides have extra liability on them, but uh, yeah. Um, other big news today. Uh, after three and a half months, I'm I'm finally moving into my new uh, chateau my new, uh, Maison. So I'm very excited about that. Kids are excited. We're pumped. It's been a long three months. Three it and a half has months. been just, just in time for the weekend. It's funny. I was looking at a video of the first walkthrough and it was still like 10 feet of snow on the ground, just like kicking the snow out of the way to get in the door. It's, uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's good. It'll be a good weekend. Father's day, you know, we'll get to celebrate father's day at the new house, which will be fun. Um, 
but yeah, celebrate Father's Day, putting the kids to work, unpacking all their boxes, oh, and moving, moving furniture. Early yeah. Father's Day gift tonight. Let's unpack. <laughs> Let's unpack. Let's go. Move my stuff. Yeah. Move my stuff. Um, so we do have a we have an amazing amazing guest here with us today, gentlemen. And Greg, do you want me to introduce uh, our guest? You can you can introduce your Paul. Yeah, sure thing. Great. So uh, so we have Irina Popova. Am I say Popova? Popova. Um, she <laughs> is one of the owners and a broker at uh, Blue Panda Realty, and she is a home selling machine. Okay, she. Uh, you get your house up. She's selling it. She's a machine. She. She's also got the voice of an angel. So why don't we why don't we bring on Irina and she can uh, give herself a, a quick intro. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Irina. Come on. Wow, what an intro. Thank you so much. I'm super stoked to be here. And I'm so nervous. I don't know. I've, I've done a couple of podcasts before. And I think as time goes on, as, as I get older, I realize just how much I don't know, you know, and how little I actually have to say. So every time I do this, I'm like, I don't know. What, what am I going to talk about? What do people want to hear? And this is live, which is even worse. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, the cool thing is, is you're, we're, we're going to jump into some conversations. I think we're going to get your take on certain things going on in the city. Swimply, I just want to mention Swimply, I think is genius. And from a consumer standpoint, like I just, I'm going to look into booking it for a baby shower. I think in a couple of weeks, it's, I think cool. it's a genius idea. It's like Turo, you know, people rent their cars. Yeah. I mean, that's also a big liability. So I think that's going to take off. I agree. Well, you can come back on and let us know how many waivers and how many stacks of pages of liability waiver and added insurance <laughs> you had to, uh, yeah. <laughs> so Irina, maybe just for, uh, for listeners that, uh, I know they, they know Greg is a partner of blue Panda, but how did you kind of get into real estate and, and tell us a bit about uh, blue Panda, just, you know, the history of it and where you guys are today. Sure. Yeah. So I've been in real estate since 2013. I actually, um, the way I got, got into it is probably like a lot of realtors, you, you try a couple of things and it doesn't work. And they're like, all right, I'll go into real estate. Um, <laughs> I went to school for robotics actually. And then by the time I finished, I was ready to fix robots. Um, you are a machine. You're a machine. There you go. <laughs> um, and so while I was finishing school, I was working at a restaurant and one of the regulars is Nancy O'Day, who's a big realtor in, in Ottawa. And she just said to me one day, have you ever thought about real estate? Like never. My family has never, you know, bought homes. Um, I just had no idea about it. And then I did some research. I talked to a couple of realtors, all of whom told me that, oh my God, it's so hard. Pretty much don't do it. And then I went into it anyway. And a couple of years later, I ended up meeting Max, Max Demore, who's my business and life partner at this point. And so we started with Panda Realty about five years ago. And it was meant to be just a brokerage for us, just for Max and I and a couple of other agents, uh, specializing in developments in central Ottawa. And then we've had agents approaching us after that. We approached Greg and brought him on board as well. And then it sort of took off from there. So I think we're at about, what, 41 agents? 40, 41 agents now? That's right. awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> oh. And real estate, obviously, <laughs> like I... I it's to totally meant to be for me. 
And, and yeah. you would say your focus uh, originally was on developments. Like you were mentioning that that's what you wanted to, to get into kind of at the outset of creating Blue Panda. Um, so when I met Max, I was with a different brokerage and so was he. And he recruited me on his team because he got a big development project and he needed uh, people on board to sell the condos. And that was sort of the first one. And then it went from there. We just sort of, I guess I fell into the developments. Max was targeting developers specifically, but um, it was sort of natural, I guess. And just went from there. And everybody, and this is actually in the heat of the uh, condo market being crappy. And mm-hmm. saying, what are you doing? Don't, don't specialize in condos. Don't sell condos. You're not going to make any money. <laughs> and look at me now. <laughs> <laughs> How have you found from, from that original, uh, you mentioned, you know, you kind of said that the, when you started the condo market was down, which we, we know, and, and really it's only started to pick up again in the last couple of years. How have you found that kind of, uh, roller coaster in the condo market? And where do you, do you have any, um, anything to say about where it might lead to from, from here or, or any good developments you're seeing, uh, around the city or, or anything like that? What are you seeing in the condo market as that's what's your specialty is? Uh, it's still very active, right? But what we're seeing in the last couple of years is, um, not a lot of new buildings going up, a lot of rentals going up instead, right? Because financially for developers with how high the construction costs are, it just makes more sense to do rentals. So I think the supply of condos is still going to be low for a couple of years until we get maybe the Le Breton development actually going, you know, and then there's the towers on Albert right nearby. So maybe in five, seven years, I can see us having a big uh, wave of supply. But I think in the near future, we're sort of, I think the condo market is going to, it's going to hold its value. A lot of the stuff that's launching now is quite expensive again, because of construction costs just being so high. So we, we have a lot of luxury um, condo buildings going up, right? There are a few, like by Claridge, as an example, that are around 800 bucks per square foot average, um, which is sort of the new low, right? And yeah. resale is- Which is crazy. Like that's, a, that's crazy that that's the new, yeah. the new norm for per square foot. Yeah, yeah, that is crazy. So I think there's a lot of value in- resale right now or if you can get something around the five six hundred bucks per square foot uh, but there are also some beautiful uh new new developments coming up for sure so you, most sorry go ahead i was gonna say you mentioned that, that you had a, an instance this week where a builder i don't know if it was a condo or not but a builder had actually uh, reached out to the client and had them sign a new agreement right they increased the price by a hundred thousand yeah it was a uh, a small builder single family home uh, in the outskirts. So I won't give the exact township and cause it is a small, small builder, I'm not looking to name names or anything, but they, uh, they re client signed purchase agreement, uh, last year. So during COVID and, uh, and they reached out to the client and basically said, we're going to have to renegotiate your purchase price, um, and increase anywhere from 10 to 17% your purchase price. Otherwise we're not building your home and that's it. Yeah, they had a firm, they had a firm agreement, um, felt really bad for the clients, uh, you know, new to Canada, didn't really have, you know, I found out after the fact, so he didn't get any sort of guidance or, um, any legal advice or anything like that. And I don't know what stipulations in the contract were that, you know, might've, uh, 
uh, allowed these, you know, a clause like this, but uh, he ended up having to, he ended up resigning where it increased his purchase price by 70,000. So it worked out to 11 and a half percent increase over what his original was. And, and, uh, and he was basically saddled. He was, you know, already relo- planning to relocate his home supposed to be built or finished for September. And, uh, and they, you know, are building it, but they basically told him that because of increasing costs that we're not we're basically going to stop building, or we're not going to sell it to you anymore and cancel the agreement unless you agree to this increase. Uh, I don't know what the, again, I don't know what the stipulations were in the contract. Uh, but I certainly found that to be a tough one for, for him to swallow. I mean, I was, I was taken for aback anyone. by it, you know, um, I remember that happened out, uh, in kind of like the Navin area. Remember with uh, Offer No, there was a couple of yeah. developments out there where they just basically voided all the contracts and raised the prices by 200 grand or something. And just, sorry about that. Just, just moving on, eh? Uh, it's wild. It's wild west, it seems like. Have you seen, yeah, have you, I was going to say, have you seen that in the condo market arena? I have not seen, well, what I've seen in the condo market are projects that just canceling. And this right. is maybe last year, the year before, where they you, you have a certain amount of sales and then you just cancel it and either sell the lot to somebody else or turn it into rentals. But what, like in my experience with developers that I've worked with, they're not evil, right? They're no. doing this uh, change of prices because they more in their pocket. It's just the margins are pretty, pretty tight right now. Yeah. So it's either they don't build or they build and they have to charge higher. It's unfortunate for sure, but I guess it is, it's a profit driven business yeah. so mm-hmm. not for profit developers. Uh, yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. There was a, there's development right down the street, actually from where you are on Wellington, the surface development at, at uh, which at Parkdale and Wellington. And they, uh, I had a number of clients that had purchase agreements in there that were signed and they were under construction and they kept delaying, delaying, delaying. I'm sure you had clients as well in there and, and they ended up canceling the entire build. And, and now it's becoming a retirement residence, but uh, you know, they delayed it, I think two and a half years. And at that point, prices escalated where my client, you know, bought, I think at two forty or something like that. And then, you know, then prices were at four fifty. you know, she basically priced out of the city, had to go buy in Kempville instead. Um, you know, yeah. it happens, but it's, it, it sucks. It's there's obviously so many pros to buying pre-construction, but of course there are risks as well. And the surface development is, is a good example. It's now rentals and I actually know the developer quite well. And he's a great guy, you know, so mm-hmm. you know that these things aren't done maliciously. It's just literally, if you can't continue to get financing from the bank, because the numbers just don't make sense, then you don't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. I guess if the builder, if the builder can't finish the project, you also don't have a home. So it's kind of uh, a double-edged sword, right? Exactly. And, um, and I think there's an article that you're, uh, an article that you found, Paul, uh, recently about, uh, you know, speaking of developers that of a, uh, somebody who's looking to buy a whole yeah, so, slew of single family homes. <laughs> yeah. Toronto based company called uh, core development group. They, they have said that they're going to buy, or they're trying, I think, in the process of buying uh, 4,000 single-family homes, uh, roughly about a billion dollars. And uh, and they essentially want to convert those into two units and convert all of those houses into rentals. And their argument is that it's um, it basically doubles the housing supply. So they're going to have a lot, you know, we're going to have, instead of 4,000 single-family homes, 8,000 rental units. 
And so, you know, the question now was, that's obviously a pro doubling the the supply, but then the question is, are they buying these, are these going to be existing rentals that they're buying, like kind of student housing type homes? Or are they going to be buying owner-occupied homes and converting those to rentals? Because that's obviously going to take more homes off the market. Um, have you guys seen this or did, what are your kind of thoughts on that? I know it's very common in the States, but this would be the first time it happened in, in Canada. So, um, you know, with any big shift like this, like we've seen in the last year, there's, there's bound to be things like this to come out both swimply and, uh, and also, you know, these types of creative, uh, purchases, but what are your guys thoughts on that? And where do you think that'll go? Uh, I'd be interested to see if it's actually 4,000 additional units. Cause if they're buying up 4,000 homes that are occupied, by families and and their resale, those families have to go somewhere. That 4,000 4, homes is a lot of homes. That's yeah. just going to drive up prices in that area of where they need to go. And, and if they're not converting them to actual duplexes or triplexes or fourplexes or what have you, they're really, you know, at most, if it's going to two units, they're not doing it to every home, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so are they really increasing that supply or are they just trying to, you know, artificially drive up the market? Um, and did, you, did you guys see anything about it? Is it are they talking about buying... It's just like individual homes all over the place. Or are they talking about like trying to buy like a neighborhood? No, no. It's four. They said 4,000 rental units in Ontario, Quebec, BC, and Atlantic Canada by 2026. Okay. I missed that. Okay. Yeah. It says the idea That's is to buy homes that can be split into two units, for example, with a second unit in the basement and turn both over to, re- to the rental market. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's, again, pros and cons to what they're doing. Uh, from what I understand, they're not going to be competing in bidding wars, right? They say that they do have margins that they have to follow. So they're not going to be competing with first time home buyers. They're, I imagine they're going to be like an eye buyer, just going directly to the sellers of places that are not on the market. And you know, um, the tenants, families, right? When families rent homes, it's usually not from a property management company or a big corporation. So those tenants, if the person wants to move back in or wants to sell, the, the families have to move out. And we actually just yesterday, Outside of our office, there was a protest of like 40 people and they were just heading to our neighbor um, who apparently owns a property and had given notice to their to his tenants to move out. And it's a family and you know, they're in an unfortunate situation, so they can't move out. So having purpose built or purposely used rentals that are single family homes, I think provides a lot of protection for those tenants where you know you're, you're locked in, whether it's on the lease or month to month, you're not going to be kicked out. I think that's huge. They're not, we don't have family uh, focused rentals in the city. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's something to be said for, for that. And especially if they're not competing with the rest of the buyers. I don't see a lot. And you know, another point, I've seen a lot of really poorly maintained rentals, especially with the mm-hmm. The four flexes, right? Where it's it's just one person that owns it. They're not in the city. There's uh, water stains on the ceilings, mold growing in the basement, right? They don't care. But with a company, yeah. I think we're gonna. There's gonna be better living conditions for the tenants. So I don't know. I see, I see it as a positive, mostly. I think it, I think it would start a pretty. Uh aggressive trend because I know like private equity firms, REITs, like all these people are going to see this as an opportunity to, to make money off of the the growth in Canada too, which is, you know, that's, I mean, real estate is obviously a very sound investment. Typically uh, it's the only real like brick and mortar item other than maybe gold or, or, you know, minerals and stuff that you can buy. That's actually tangible. Um, but it would be interesting to see if this does go through what happens over the next 
you know, four or five years with other kind of larger private equity firms trying to do the exact same thing. And how would that, you know, it's, it's one thing if it's just one transaction of 4,000 homes in Canada, but what happens when it spreads to all the major cities, you know, and then there, that would really affect the owner occupied availability in, in Canada, if it gets there. Um, you know, in the States there's, you know, 350 million people or something now, something in that crazy range. So, I mean, I feel like they have a bit more room to do that, but when you're talking less than 40 million people in the whole country, um, you know, it wouldn't take too many of these sorts of purchases to shift the whole market. It's, it's interesting how, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of comments from, you know, I mean, a group of people who are just kind of saying like, Oh, now this is happening. And now we're, it's going to drive the prices in a, up more or something. And then they'll never be able to buy. And, you know, I mean, uh, I think that's going to be the uh, up in arms, like, you know, yeah. representing first time home buyers and stuff like I, that. So I think a lot of, I, I a mean, lot of people, sorry, Greg, a lot of people who like no, me no, are not in real estate. Ahead. I like, I read this article and in my head, it's someone's going to buy up like half of Canada just all in one spot all you know that's that's what it is to me and that's terrifying right but obviously when you right. spread it out over four provinces obviously it's not going to impact me as much but i feel like a lot of this is uh, pretty sensational um but yeah, yeah to paul's point it's terrifying if it starts happening you know every other week well, well, that's the thing right yeah then then it becomes then it becomes a problem and that's i guess that's the main concern it's like what happens if it gets out of control but bottom line is it can't get out of control that quickly and you know other things will change over time there'll be different trends so yeah i mean in terms of you know irena's point of seeing it as a positive where like everything will be managed better mm -hmm. it'll just be a you know th that that's a huge bonus i think and cuz there are tons of landlords who just do not care you know, yeah. and, uh, some of the tenants end up in situations and it's just a battle and, you know, they don't even want to be there, but then they got nowhere to go. Cause they got in this situation with a, with a shitty landlord. So from that perspective, I think it's very, very reasonable and very, uh, very realistic. Yeah, I think it also leads into, uh, the need for increasing supply in general. Like I know it's been also in the news yeah. and there has been a lot of talk at parliament about it recently. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously they made the stress chest uh, changes for June 1st to kind of address the housing issue, but really it all boils down to, and we've talked about it in, in nauseam over the past years of, you know, the red tape for development and the cost of development um, is so significant that people don't even realize or, or acknowledge, you know, that aren't in real estate, um, or even are in real estate, but still don't realize the development costs to build even just say like rental, rental, uh, units and you know, what their costs are or single family homes or things like that of what, you know, it's typically around seven years to be able to get shovels and ground from buying, um, to get through the permits. You're talking upwards of even for a two bedroom apartment, the development fees alone, $20,000 a unit plus, 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 um, there's so many added costs that, um, this red tape just slows down the build and, and, you know, as to what Irene was talking about of costs increasing where the builders aren't malicious and trying to cancel these builds, they need to build and be able to continue building. So their, their, uh, company doesn't go underwater, but all this red tape causes them to have those issues of, of cost driving up and, and artificially increasing the, the price because it's, um, they're not able to build like taking seven years, eight years to build a rental building of a couple hundred units or a hundred units is, is crazy when, when there's such a need, it's just, 
bogs down the system. I'm kind of torn. I'm kind of torn on this subject as far as builder costs, because I, I do understand exactly the points you're saying. And, and I feel like I have to give the other side of the story is that like, as a builder, I already mentioned this, it's a, it's a for-profit business, but you know, this pandemic has hit many industries very hard. And, um, you know, if you're a builder and you're a business owner, you are also taking on that risk and you have to be prepared for these sorts of things. I heard a stat that 35 to 40% of small businesses in the U S are never coming back just because of the pandemic. And I'm not saying that these builders should be going out of business, but at the same time, passing off those costs that like you basically took on the risk and then you're, you're passing off the cost of that risk to your buyers, you know, which is also not fair. I mean, that's something that if you're the business owner, you you have to take that you're taking the risk on and you should really be, you know, covering that risk, not, not passing on, maybe splitting it with the clients. But I just feel like there's a, you know, there's two sides to the story, obviously, but um, you know, if you, like you said, Dave, that, that new to Canada person, you know, they, they maybe had a dream of buying a home here in Canada and that dream might no longer be available because of they're kind of, you know, passing it off to, to the client now, right. Without uh, taking that on. So, I mean, I guess, I don't know. There's two sides to every story. Obviously, no matter how flat the coin, there's two sides, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, I just uh, figured I have to say the other side too. <laughs> but you know, it's interesting with these articles where people are always up in arms for the, the, the home buyers, but there is, there are also the home renters that never mm-hmm. want to buy a house or have the needs anyway, um, or have the means to buy anyway. And those people need to be protected too. And I think this is a real positive for renters. Mm-hmm. which is a big population as well. Yeah. And there mm-hmm. are some people who just, they, I mean, they choose, I mean, I know people who are just like, no, I'm renting forever. Not interested. Right. So yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that happens too. There's um there's a number of buildings I'm, I'm on Preston and uh, there's a number of developments around that have, that were going to be condoed uh, have now they, they pivoted to being rentals. Do you, are you seeing, or when you're talking to developers that, you know, Irina, that, uh, you know, that have kind of pivoted towards the rental market, are they still building with the intention that in, you know, 10 years that they'll likely condo off that building and, and sell the units or that they'll, or, or have you, or do you know if they've, if that's even in their roadmap or not? Like I know, and I know around me, like the Nuovo, um, was a Barry Hoban building design was going to condo. It went to rentals, the Soho Italia, uh, which is being built right now was, you know, it's, Gluckstein finishings, like everything, uh, was going to be, uh, sold out, was going to be condoed. I think they had a tough time selling this, you know, units in the Soho champagne and their other Soho buildings, but they, uh, they pivoted and now it's going to be a rental. There's on my street, Tamarack's building, uh, was going to be sale. Now they pivoted to rentals. Um, find that's, uh, they're, and they're obviously going to be high end rentals. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's kind of like builds that were going to be condoed that are now rentals. And I kind of, in my head, I kind of see it as maybe to help them. Like you said, the cost of development is high. So they, maybe they're kind of bridging that gap for a period of time. Or, or do you know if that's, that's in their roadmap or mindset? I haven't had anyone, uh, I guess, tell me that that's their plan. And mm-hmm. with rentals too, is they, you know, the, the level of finishes is not what you need to have for condo sales. So a lot of these rentals, you know, they might have quartz countertops, but they'll have laminate flooring instead of hardwood that you'd find in, in new construction for condos. So I'm not sure if, I guess never say never. Like there's a, a building um, just by the Bayview station by the LRT mm-hmm. in Hintonburg mm-hmm. that was a rental for a long time. They're sort of stacks 
townhomes. Uh, they were rentals for a long time and they are now being sold off as condos and they're maybe 20 years old. Hmm. So yeah, I guess it's possible. Mm-hmm. Interesting to That's- see a lot of rentals going, going to be available very soon. So yeah. And high end too. Like, you know, these, these three buildings I'm talking about, you know, they're, they are high end finishings. I'm, I'm curious to see what they uh, go for yeah, rent, especially the, yeah. the Soho Italia is, I think is a funny one because it's, they pivoted, they got, they went through CMHC construction financing for 50 year amortization and 0% interest and uh, building basically their $90 million building for, for zero cost, if you will. So I'm curious to see, and, and to deem it as affordable, affordable housing for at least 30% of the units. So I'm interested to see what that, that 30% affordable housing rents are actually uh, going for um, by the time they're finished. But I think it's, I think with, I was talking to some professors as well, talking about, you know, universities coming back. I know the condo market downtown has been tough because a lot of people selling off like people that had renters, um, you know, that moved out the side of the city because they're not working downtown during the pandemic or students not here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with all these rentals coming up, especially in my neighborhood and these higher end, I'm, I'll be interested to see, um, if they get picked up as university comes back, people start going back to work, how that kind of transitions things. But, um, yeah, well, it's, if and when. Mm-hmm. but I you know people, even now we're talking about the market plateauing or like crashing or whatever. Uh, but I think people are still going to make money. It's not, it's not like, you know, five years ago in the condo market where you're selling and you have to pay 50 grand to sell it. And just now, instead of making a hundred thousands of profit in two years, you know, you're making 60 or something, you know, it's, it, hmm. we kind of have to change our mindset a bit. And for sellers right now have to change their mindsets. Like, okay, you're not getting 200,000 over asking, are you still going to make a lot of money? Yeah. Yeah. That's the challenge right now. For sure. It's just uh, expectations with the market. 100%. Irina, what else, what projects are you working on specifically? I know you got a couple, uh, well, you've got that one big one at uh, stone Abbey. How's that going? Can you tell everybody about that a bit? Yeah. Yeah. Stone Abbey is beautiful. It's in old Ottawa South, right by the South minister church. So they're keeping the church and they're building sort of behind it along the canal. And it's a 20 unit building, large units. They're between 1100 to 2400 square feet, beautiful terraces, like really, really stunning. So we're about halfway uh, through the project now. Um, So they're starting demolition and everything right now, but yeah, beautiful. And this is by windmill who's a local Ottawa builder here. And then another one we're working on is Zivi. And that's, I feel like everybody in Ottawa needs to know what this is and where it is and mm-hmm. what it is because it's a huge thing that's happening in our city. You know, it's one of only, I think, 12 communities in the world that has the one planet designation. And this, this master plans community, they, they've won multiple awards for like best new community in North America, maybe in the world as well, if, if I remember correctly, but it's super cool. It- I, I pass by it. I pass by it every time I go to the cottage, uh, every weekend. And I love seeing, I hadn't been obviously over the winter. And so when mm-hmm. I started going up again, I, I drive over that bridge and see the whole development. It's been really cool seeing that landscape change because they're right. I mean, a lot of people don't know about it or know the design aspects, you know, using the old red brick 
buildings, kind of converting them nice, like matte black windows and kind of that commercial facade as well as kind of that mix of modern and, and old and same with the buildings, just the designs are so cool that I, I think it is, you're right. A lot of people don't know about it and the views that are there as well for those units and all that. It's such a cool, cool place. Um, yeah. They're doing their zip line uh, starting next week. So from, uh, you can go over the river from- uh, No way. From one to the other. And <laughs> Greg and I are going. Are you yeah, going to do it? Sure. Irina, no you, 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 yeah, you're doing it? There you go. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do a live tow rip uh, zip line. Just, ah, the three of us ripping across. Um, I remember I had a client looking in there, I want to say maybe two years ago or whenever they first announced it. And he was like, 350,000. I, I just can't justify it. There's no way. Like he couldn't, he just couldn't get there. This is like obviously pre pandemic, but he was, uh, it was just, I mean, that was, you know, 350, 400 for, for a condo kind of between Ottawa and Gatineau was, uh, seemed absurd at the time. Right now it seems like a steal. So sure. <laughs> this is a long project, right? They're probably total like a 20 year project. And imagine oh, yeah. every time I pass by there, we, we, we work for the developer there, but I think my God, the commitment and the passion you need to have for one project to, to work on something for that long, right? Even just cleaning up the soil because it was used to be contaminated. Yeah. Like just that process took, I think, a couple of years before they could even start building and selling things. So I think it's super cool. And it, they're, you know, the green aspect of it is super admirable. Um, and it's Dream Developer Developments, who's from Toronto. They did the distillery district in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So it's a similar mm-hmm. stuff. And and what's the where where are they on the phases? Like where I know there's a couple buildings that are finished right now, and there's two that are like you know almost at their peak of of height being finished, and kind of they're finishing the exterior facade. But you know what what phase would you say of X? You said it's a, possibly a twenty year project, but you know are, are they in phase one still? Or are they you know where where do you think they are on that timeline? So as far as I know, and I should know. They're uh, probably about 10 years out, 10 to 15 years out. So a large portion of the first uh, part of it, I guess, was preparing the soil and, and, and the lands. So right now they've completed one condo building on the Quebec side because it's, it's on two provinces, right? It's on the Quebec shore and then the Shodi Island in Ontario. So they've got one condo building in Quebec, one condo building in Ottawa, um, and they've got a couple of commercial buildings pretty much ready. And right now what you're seeing being obstructed is um, a federal government office building, which is on the Ontario side. And then there's a rental building that's going up right now on the Quebec side. Okay, cool. Yeah. The, the exterior of the federal building, that facade I, I find is such a cool design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. And another yeah. building that they're, I think they're going to start digging probably later this year is really interesting. And it kind of goes with the whole uh, affordable housing conversation that we're having and it's uh com- not i'm gonna i'm gonna screw it up it's not communal living but it's uh co is it co-living where oh. you hmm. like luxury co-living maybe <laughs> but essentially you have your own bedroom and i'm assuming your own bathroom but you have common areas so it is meant for single professional not single not necessarily single professionals but for young professionals uh maybe some couples maybe families too so it's, it's a lower cost of living, but you still get to enjoy beautiful space. And I think this is a concept that they, they have in New York um, and other cities as well, but they are working with somebody that's in this sort of building in elsewhere. So it's going to be interesting to see applied here. Hmm. And where's that? That's cool. Where's that building going to be? That's, um, it's, well, ZB on the Ontario. Oh, okay. Got it. Uh, okay. 
blocks from uh, where the where the condo building is in Ontario. Okay. Yeah, That's super. very cool. I wonder if the penthouse has its own zip line to Parliament, you know, just <laughs> Batman style right out your window. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, need that. So, gentlemen, ladies, should we get into the uh, mood boost? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Are we there? Are we there? Any close, closing thoughts? Yeah, Greg, I guess, uh, I mean, Greg, do, do the mood boost. We'll let, uh, yeah, do the mood boost and we'll uh, thank Irina and then we'll get out of here. Okay, well, we got, <laughs> you, we got You'll three. find out, Irina. You'll find so, out. Yeah, so the mood boost, we basically pass the mic to you, Irina, and you have to talk for three <laughs> minutes straight. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, uh, every week uh, at the end of the show, we basically spit out uh, three, four jokes. You know, keep the moods up, uh, get everyone laughing going into the weekend. So today we got three. Um, number one, what's green and has wheels? Grass. I lied about the wheels. <laughs> not my, not my favorite. Not my favorite. That's terrible. No, terrible. Yeah. Awful. Number two, a Spanish magician told his audience he was going to vanish on the count of three. He counted uno, dos, and disappeared without a trace. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh. <laughs> and number three, I call my horse Mayo, and sometimes Mayo nays. I love Mayo. Dude. I love mayo. These, th- th- I think those three were the worst ever. Yeah. <laughs> Out of every episode perfect, we've done. Perfect going into Last... Father's Day. Going oh, into yeah. Father's Day. <laughs> Father's Day. Jokes. Terrible jokes. La- yeah. <laughs> Last week they were amazing. Last yeah. ones, they were incredible. Um, <laughs> anyways, well, yeah, I- Irina, thanks for coming on. I think that was great. Uh, I mean, you shed a lot of uh, good information. Yeah, and, awesome insight. Um, it, it was a, just great having you on as a guest. I think we should have you back on if um, you would love it. Good. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was fun. And uh, where where can people find you, Irina, if they wanted to, uh, you know, follow you on uh, on the gram, uh, if they want to stop by the new office? On the socials? Uh, well, Instagram, uh, irina.pops. I have no idea what my handle is on Instagram. I'm just <laughs> yeah, the 85 Kinson Avenue. We're here. Um, yeah. We'll make sure in the show notes, uh, when we put it up on YouTube and, and on, um, the podcast platforms that we have links to kind of your, your socials as well, just so that people can check you out. Um, and for everyone who is listening, um, you know, Father's Day Sunday, make sure you, uh, say hi to your pops, tell them you love them. And, um, you know, enjoy the weekend. We'll be back next Friday. Bright eyed, bushy tailed. Happy Father's Day, I guess, to all of yes. you. Yes. No, not, no. Okay. not David. <laughs> <laughs> Two for three, just like the mood boost usually. Hey? Um, yeah, thanks a lot, Irina, for coming on. It's great to uh, to great get, a, get a different perspective, and uh, we should definitely have you on a little more regularly. Um, thanks, guys. All right. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. We'll see you next week. The Ottawa Real Estate Podcast is brought to you by Referral Mortgages, Blue Panda Realty, and Stephen Hopkins Video. Thanks for tuning in. And please remember to like, comment, share, and most importantly, subscribe. We'd love to hear from you.